Gracious Father, we come before you and give our worship to you today. For you are the one who has given your Son to be the Savior of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And so we bless you that the Word became truth and dwelt among us. And so we ask now, through the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, come dwell among us now, Jesus. Come speak into our hearts. Come minister grace where we need it. Come convict us where we need it. Come challenge us, comfort us, conform us more and more into the glorious image of Christ our Savior. So we submit ourselves to you now. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. Well, you all know this as well as I do, that, that we live in a world today where we're virtually drowning in an ocean of communication. <laughs> we are bombarded with messages left and right all the time, and it seems unending. There's always someone somewhere vying for our attention to get us to buy something, to conform to something, to, to put our lives around something. Always there are messages coming, and we're being bombarded with daily. I was on a plane coming home uh, from a trip on Wednesday, and, and after the fastened seatbelt announcement, I thought there'd be a moment of silence that I was warmly welcomed, but no, there was yet another announcement to buy an American Airlines credit card so that you can rack up miles and go to the destination dream that you've always wanted to go to. And then your mind begins to think, where will that be? <laughs> But I had welcomed some silence in that moment, and it just reminded me that there are always messages coming at us, whether it's something like that, something on the radio, the TV, a billboard as you're driving by, always messages vying for our attention. Now, the key to navigating these tumultuous waters of all of these messages coming at us is this. It's learning to discern which messages are worthy of our focus. Which messages are worthy of our focus? What we find in the opening chapter in the book of Hebrews is that it's all about Jesus. <laughs> and what we see as we dive into this beautiful book is that Jesus becomes the ultimate one who alone is worthy of our focus. He alone is the one worthy of all of our focus and attention let me set the context that we looked at briefly last week as we started this new series in Hebrews. The context is it was written to these Jewish Christians in Rome. They had experienced before a significant degree of persecution. Some time had passed and now persecution was coming upon them again and they were beginning to get weary. They were living in a time where people were hostile toward Christians. And these believers were beginning to waver in their faith. And what we see is it's really a picture of where we live today. When you read the book of Hebrews, you can go, that is my world. That is my life today. Now, it's interesting when, as Hebrews begins, it doesn't begin with the problem as often things would begin with. Rather, it begins with the solution. How many times do we get so focused and wrapped up in the problem is ever before us and the solution is out here somewhere and we need to turn that around where the solution becomes our focus front and center. That's what the author of Hebrews does in this opening chapter. It all begins with answering this question, 
Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And why should he be the one most worthy of our focus? For those of you here this morning, those of you watching who are, you know, checking out Christianity, I hope that you will listen well to this this morning and listen to this chapter as we, as we unpack it in Hebrews because you'll begin to see who Jesus is and why he alone is worthy of our focus and our attention. So what we're going to do this morning is this basically two, two simple points. First, who is Jesus? And secondly, what difference does he make in our lives on a daily basis? We first learn about Jesus in verses 3 and 4. I want to read them. We didn't read them this morning, but I'm going to pick them up because it, he, the author begins with a beautiful description of Jesus. He writes this, speaking of Jesus, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Then he goes on and says, After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he goes on and says this, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Right off the bat, we get a picture of who Jesus is. And one of the things I want to highlight this morning is something that he said, that Jesus is superior to the angels. We're going to see that Jesus is superior not just to the angels, but he is superior to everything and everyone. Before we unpack that, I just want to name, because when you read this first chapter and really other parts of Hebrews, it seems that he has this, I don't know, you could say this unhealthy, unhealthy fascination with angels, because he talks a lot about angels. Why? Well, here's why. These first century Jewish Christians themselves had an unhealthy view of what an angel was. Their view went well beyond what the scriptures had taught them. Some believed that angels were demigods. They were divine beings, lesser than God, but still divine beings. Others thought that when you died, you became an angel yourself. And so there was a lot of confusion around the role of angels. And so one of the things he does is he is saying here, Jesus is superior than the angels. In fact, he is greater than everything. Now, angels served a purpose. Angels were God's agents. Angels were God's messengers to his people. They weren't the divine son of God. It's interesting. Angels fly around the throne, but Jesus sits on the throne. And so what I want you to see this morning as you kind of paint this picture is that Jesus is the one who is supreme over all. He's supreme, as we'll see later in the book of Jesus, not just over the angels, but over Moses, supreme over Joshua, the Old Testament priests, and so on. Now, why is that important to know? Why is it important to know that Jesus is the supreme being over all things? Well, think about the world in which we live today. <laughs> all of us in this room and those watching would all agree, this world doesn't work like it should. Our lives don't work like they should. You know, I had numerous conversations with people this past week, and this theme kept coming up. Who can we trust? Who can we trust? Who can we trust in the political realm? Who can we trust in the media? <laughs> Who can we trust these days in these times that are very unsettling? 
And I would gather you've wondered the same thing. Who can we really trust? I want you to think about this question. Thinking about our unsettling world today. If you were to make a list of the things in our world that are unsettling today, what would be on that list? What would you put on the list of things unsettling in our world today? Obviously, probably COVID would be at the top. Afghanistan, racism, political unrest, societal unrest, horrific crimes against humanity that we see and, and, and that we things that we don't see that are happening in all different parts of the world. I would say what's unsettling are the striking divisions that we continue to see um, in our world and in our country today. The list can go on and on and on. But now bring it closer to home. What would you say if you were to have a list of things unsettling in your life personally today? What would you put on that list? What would you say is unsettling personally to you? Maybe it's family issues. Maybe it's financial hardship. Challenges with kids, stress and pressure all around. Friends, here's what I want us to see this morning. What difference would it make if you knew that there was one who was supreme over all of these unsettling things? One who actually holds all of them together. One who knows them, one who goes before you, one who knows what tomorrow holds. If you knew that there was one who was supreme over all, what difference would that make in your life right now? In all those unsettling moments, Jesus is supreme and he reigns over all. R.C. Sproul spoke or wrote about Jesus being supreme in this way. I love how he described it. He wrote, to speak of supremacy is to speak of that which is above or over others. It reaches to the level of the super. In our language, it refers to that which or who is greatest in power, authority, or rank. It's also used to describe that which or who is greatest in importance, significance, character, or achievement. And he said, the one who is the ultimate. The ultimate. Friends, what these early Christians needed to know in their unsettling times is the same thing you and I need to know today in our unsettling times. That there is one who is ultimate and his name is Jesus Christ. And he reigns on his throne and he rules over everything in your life. Even the smallest things that you wonder, Jesus, do you even care? I will tell you, because he is supreme over all things, he cares deeply about what's going on in your world right where you live today. So here's what we learn about Jesus here. It's interesting. You, you can't really tell it in, in how the scripture passage is in our bulletin. But the author of Hebrews is quoting multiple places from the Old Testament in this first chapter. And what he's doing is he's bringing these, these promises of the Old Testament. And he's showing us how they're being fulfilled now and the one who is supreme over all things. And so one thing that we see in verse 5 is this. He's quoting from Psalm 2, verse 7, where he says, You are my son, today I have begotten you. One of the things that we see of Jesus is he is the son of God, and he reveals the Father to us. 
Earlier in verse 3, we read that he is the radiance of the glory of God. You want to know who God is? Look to Jesus. And you will see exactly who he is. And then in verse 6, he's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 32, where he writes this, Let all God's angels worship him. Now, it's not just God's angels who worship Jesus. It is us who come to give Jesus our worship. Because if you think about it, when we give God and God alone our worship, our hearts become filled with peace. When he becomes the object of our worship, just try it. (laughs) When we let go of all those other things that we, we give our worship to and Christ alone becomes the one, friends, all of a sudden there is this, as we read in the scriptures, a peace that passes all understanding because we have oriented our hearts and minds around the one who alone is supreme over all, who alone is worthy of our worship. And then in verse 9, we read this from Psalm 45. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Friends, we need to know that. That his throne is an everlasting throne. It is a throne forever and ever he will rule and reign. And this idea of, of Jesus being forever is fleshed out in verses 11 and 12. Again, quoting from Psalm 102. You see how he's pulling all these passages together to show us who Christ is. We read this, Lord, you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. But Jesus, what? He will never fade. He will never wear out. Jesus is not subject to change or decay. Can I tell you what hope that gives us today? That our God that we come to worship, who alone is supreme, the ultimate one, will never wear out. He will never change, which says that I can trust him no matter what is before me. Friends, you can trust him no matter what is before you. He is the unchanging God who is ruling. This world is not going to win. (laughs) We know the victory has already been won, and it's Jesus who has won the victory. I love what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1. Write this down, Colossians 1, 17 and 18. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in everything he might be preeminent. Oh, how we need to hear those words today, don't we? That he is before all things. In him, all things hold together. Again, I don't know what's going on in your life necessarily, but I know that there's some of you right now that are saying, my life is unraveling. But I want you to know that in Christ, he is holding that which you see is unraveling. He is holding it together. And he knows how to take you from one step to the next. See, this is where the importance of the supremacy of Jesus comes in. Because Jesus is supreme over all things, it means that he is in control of all things. You know that song I used to sing it? He's got the whole world in his hands, you know? Laugh at that. He really does. Like Jesus really does have the whole world in his hands. He has what's going on in America right now in his hands. 
He has what's going on in Afghanistan in his hands. He has what's going on in parts of the world that, that, of nations and countries we can't even pronounce, where Christians are being persecuted, where, where people are longing that others come to faith in Christ. He has them in his hands because he is the supreme Lord over all. You see, because Jesus is supreme over all things, all that is broken will one day be made new. Friends, that's hopeful. That gives us hope that all that is broken one day will be made new. We will see things here made new. But ultimately, in the new heaven and the new earth, everything will be made new. And that gives us a hope today. Is he because Jesus is supreme over all things? What it means is this, that all racism, all prejudice, all tribalism will one day be eradicated. We long to see that happen now, and we live our lives to that end. But one day, it really will be eradicated. Because Jesus is supreme over all things, I can wake up in the morning, you can wake up in the morning, trusting and surrendering our lives to the Lord. Now, sometimes that's a scary thing to do, because we want control. We want to be able to say, I want to navigate my day because I can do it better. But I will tell you, the older you get, <laughs> you'll realize you really can't. And I continue to learn that every day. But friends, I will tell you, there is a real peace that comes when we wake up in the morning and can truly say, Lord, I surrender this to you today because you are on your throne, Jesus. You are reigning supreme over everything. The enemy will not win. And finally, because Jesus is supreme over all things, we can truly trust him. We can trust his goodness because he alone is trustworthy. You see that? So when we talk about the importance of seeing that Jesus is supreme over all things, we've got to step back and ask a very important question. And it's this. If Jesus is supreme over all things, I've got to step back and look at my life and go, wait a minute. What have I been placing as supreme over him? Does that make sense? Can you name those things in your own life that you have placed in that supreme role over Jesus? I encourage you, if you can't think of them right now, when you leave here, ask the Lord, Lord, show me what are those things in my life that I have placed in a supreme place over you? And then I would say, get on your knees and repent and receive his grace and turn again to the one who is supreme. I could name a few of mine, and I will. Maybe that'll get you thinking. Comfort, security, financial security, control, my control. <laughs> if you were to look at my life sometimes, you would say, Robert, you really are trying to think you're supreme because I'm trying to control all the things around me. But friends, I can tell you, I cannot hold my life together. I cannot hold my life together. You can't hold your life together. But the one who is supreme, the Lord Jesus Christ, can and he does every day. Let me wrap it up with this. So how does this get real in our lives? What does it look like to live with Jesus being the one who is supreme over our lives, over everything, every day? It's recognizing this. First, recognizing that in the midst of the challenges that you and I face, in the midst of all the uncertainty that is before us, 
there is a solid ground that we can stand on. I love what Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 28. Many of you will be familiar with this passage. He wrote this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Friends, Jesus is our rock. He is not like the the shifting sand that we so often try to lay a foundation in. So I want to ask you this. What have you been building on lately? What have you been building on? Have you been building on the rock who is Christ, who is supreme over all? Or have you been building on the sand, which is shaky and uncertain? Read in Hebrews 3, 18, I love these words. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is that solid rock, even when things all around us are shaking, and they are. You you build your life on him And you will find that you are standing strong in the midst of the storm. That's part of what the author of Hebrews is getting at. That when the winds come and they are here now and they're going to get stronger, we as God's people can stand firm on the rock who is Jesus himself. And we will persevere. And the enemy will not win. Friends, we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to get it all right. We can't let go of control. It's really, it's the illusion of control anyway. We never had control. But we can let go of all of this because Jesus himself is in control. I want to just close. Just There's a song we're going to sing during communion. We sang it last week, and I got down and I told Janet and Ben, I said, that's the theme song for, for uh, Hebrews. We're not going to sing it every Sunday. <laughs> But we're going to sing it enough to where you get it and you hear it and it becomes real. So I want to just say a few, I just want to read a few of the stanzas. And when we sing it during communion, ask God to do a work in your heart to grow your trust that he is the one that you can put all your life into. The song is the Ancient of Days. It goes like this. Though the nations rage, the kingdoms rise and fall. There is still one king reigning over all. So I will not fear, for this truth remains. For my God is the ancient of days. None above him, none before him, of all time in his hands. For his throne it shall remain and ever stand. All the power, all the glory, I will trust in his name. For my God is the ancient of days. Amen. So, Father, we come this morning. (laughs) We are in desperate need of your power, your strength, your grace, that we will stand firm upon you, Jesus, the one who is our rock. Oh, would you lead us in a greater trust in your sovereign grace over all that is going on. That as we hail you as the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords, supreme over everything, May we see and give glory as we watch you renew the brokenness in our midst. 
We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.